The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. James O'Dell is an inmate in Hancock County Jail. Now, in his breathtaking autobiography, The Road to Hancock County, James O'Dell tells about his life in organised crime and shows his long fall from power, position and prestige. He shares how he became a heroin addict and an alcoholic. Finally, he ended up losing all the money he made and everything that made life worthwhile, including his family. And James joins us now. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm the most blessed man on the planet. Thank you. A lot of people who are maybe in your situation wouldn't come to that conclusion. Why do you feel that you are the most blessed man on the planet? Well, the real truth is, is that for 29 years, uh, I lived in active addiction and I was addicted to everything from alcohol and drugs to sugar and caffeine, everything I ever put my hands in. And what I figured out in the end uh, when I was reduced to six shots of heroin a day was that the scariest neighborhood that I ever lived in was my mind and the the worst prison that I ever lived in in all of humanity out of about 15 of them was my heart because uh, I had built walls so high around my heart that I, I couldn't get a helicopter to fly high enough to get me out. So now that you're in prison do you finally feel free ironically? Absolutely I do and this, that's going to sound real crazy coming from a man in prison but uh, <laughs> I figured out in the end that the real prison that most people live in is their heart and their mind, um, not the physical one. Um, you know, because the I had the uh, the gift to thrive wherever I was at, in any situation or circumstance, and in spite of the circumstances. Um, but the problem is, is, is I didn't have the gift of true freedom, and true freedom comes in your heart and mind. When you have it there, then you can have it in the physical world, true freedom. So, what are the circumstances that led up to you being in prison and what was your life in organized crime? My brothers were uh, high-ranking members of an organized crime syndicate and I was molded behind them. I took my first drink at 12 years old and at uh, about 16, 17 years old, I stumbled into the roofing industry and at 18, I started selling roofing and started making a lot of money. At 19 years old, uh, I started making the modern-day equivalent of $64,000 a month. Wow. And I came from the poorest crime-ridden neighborhood in Arlington, Texas, um, that where, you know, I watched my friends get murdered, all put in prison. 
and I didn't have, I was very responsible and the money was a curse because even though I always made a lot of money, I spent a lot of money. So if I made 350,000, I spent 351, so really I was down a thousand. And so um, the, the roofing industry in itself was a great industry for me. And so I traveled the Midwest in America and, and chased a bunch of hurricanes down in the Gulf Coast and, and made a fortune. I made and squandered $2.2 million by the time I was 29 years old. Wow. But the mood just enhanced the demons already possessed, you know, alcohol, drug abuse, and lack the love of my father. You know, I know my father loved me now, um, but he had only told me three times that he loved me in my whole life from the age of five to 41. Um, and that had a profound impact on me as a young uh, kid in developmental psychology. And uh, man, I woke up half dead at, at 41 years old at the Hancock County Jail. I had been charged with 16 felonies. At four states over a 20-year crime period, um, maybe squandered over 2.2 million dollars, and my life was over. And I was laying in a holding cell, and I was uh, urinating and defecating and throwing up uncontrollably for about four or five days. Two nurses had to hold me down to get life-saving insulin. And um, man, I had come to no other hopelessness and despair like I had never, most human beings never experienced. Yeah. I prayed and I asked God. I said, God, just please. Let me die. And I looked up and I seen the cross and I realized in that very moment that there was hope and victory in Jesus Christ and that I had to be a willing participant to dig myself up out of the cellar of life by the good choices that I made one moment at a time, one day at a time, because where I had been was to the depths of the grave and other people didn't make it back from the depths of the grave from the season fiction where it put them. Yeah. And so God gave me the gift of sobriety and then I would go on to be a psychology major at America's largest Christian university. I would speak at churches, schools, and treatment centers all over South Mississippi, go to rehab, become a leader and lead instructor in the rehab here at the Chill, teach advanced theology courses. And I, the, the amazing thing is, is the book, writing the book, God showed me, hey, this is where you were, and this is where you are now. Yeah. And he was preparing me for my future in college and preparing me to help people. And uh, so, you know, the phenomenal thing about the book is, is it shows divine intervention, you know, and uh, I won't spoil the book, but but it's a heck of a case. I got to give it to you. Yeah. So what was it that inspired you to actually write the book? Actually, uh, my Asian mentor, Dan Munger, um, asked me to write the book and I said, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, and and I really don't like writing. Um, I write pretty well and I read very well, but but I don't like writing. So after after that, the good Lord was uh, pressing upon my heart six times to write the book, and five times I denied him. And the sixth time, I said, "You know what? I'll write the book." And uh, it took me two years to bring the book to print. Um, and I hadn't talked to talked to my. Uh, two oldest daughters in 24 years and my YouTube channel um, somebody sent them a video link to my YouTube channel 
And me and my first wife from 24 years ago, who hadn't talked in 24 years either, uh, all of us and our children reunited. That's how good God's been. And was there a definite turning point for you, like you mentioned, where you suddenly maybe started doing all the good things? Or was it kind of gradual? It's always a, a process. But the thing is, is that um, the turning point came um, when I actually, I wasn't known in this town I got arrested in. I was going down to Florida in case of hurricanes. So I just stopped here and my tags popped for a warrant out of Texas for a third BWI and an evade arrest. Um, and so they arrested me. But the turning point really for me was is the chaplain at the jail my and my agent, Dan Munger, told the warden that I was an honest man. And so I walked down to his office one day for him to talk to me and he looks at me and he goes, Dan Munger tells me you're an honest man. And look, I had been called a lot of things in my life, but they wasn't anywhere remotely close to being an honest man because I was the furthest thing from it. But I had started rebuilding my life. And when I walked away from that beating, I walked back down the hallway and I remember it like it was yesterday. I said to myself, I said, honest man. And what I didn't know at the time is that God was birthing honesty into me through the faith of other people and blind faith. And some of them, some of them didn't even have faith because they don't even believe in God. And so what that did was prepare me to get truly sober because there's a thing called an acronym for how it, you get sober. And that's rigorous honesty, yeah. open-mindedness and willingness. And God knew that I would need that. And so uh, after that, I just started walking it out. And about uh, three years later, they uh, I started writing a book. Um, I was facing 56 mandatory years in prison here for a couple pistols and some heroin. Um, but by the grace of God, you know, because my criminal record was so terrible, it wasn't because I was a terrible person or I have a bunch of violent crimes, but just uh, it was just so habitual, you know, a lot of bad choices that I made. But that was the turning point. How much of the book is your own story and how much of it is fiction? Is it all true? No, the, the whole book is absolutely true. I didn't add to it. Um, matter of fact, and it's brutally honest. It's brutally honest about me. And the reason why is because, you know, people need to know the truth. Um, they don't need you to sugarcoat it. Um, and, and that was when I wrote the book, that was one of the main key factors is I wanted them to see the extremes that I went to because there's people dying every day in life from the disease of addiction. And you can't just talk to these people um, like you do the average person that's never really had much experience in life with drugs or alcohol problems. You've got to give it to them uh, straight and to the point. Yeah. And now the book is called The Roads to Hancock County. What inspired the title? Is it just... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, 
you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The story of how you got to where you are. It is the story of how I got to where I was, but I didn't know what I was going to name the book. And... So I prayed about it, and the Apostle Paul in the Bible was converted on the road to Damascus. And so I was converted on the road to Hancock County um, from a con man to a Christian convert. And so uh, that's what I gave it uh, in honor of this this great city that that the people spared my life in. And God did it in the craziest way because I I never trusted the police. And in the end, it was the Hancock County Sheriff's Office that God would inspire me to change my life through. And what would you say is the overall message behind the book? The overall message behind the book is that you know, that no matter what you've done and no matter how far down the trouble in life you've gone, that it is never too late that, you know, you're, everything that you do in life, no matter how far you fall, is is working for you if you make the choice to allow it to work for you. And that's what I did with, with Jesus Christ. My whole life was plagued with bad decisions. I never made one good decision in my whole entire life and my former life for 41 years except in business. In business, I made them pure, it was pure and precise, but in my personal life, none. But out of all that, after 41 years, I'm laying in a hole and say, I'm half dead, and I made one right decision to follow Jesus Christ. He catapulted me 25 years ahead to make up for what I had been through. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. I've sold 5,000 copies in two months of this book. I'm still going, and I haven't done one, I haven't paid one dollar for advertising the book one dollar you know so that is phenomenal but i'm in that stage now so i'm sure got a bunch of iHeart radio ads and all that coming out so yeah (laughs) and what's the kind of work you're doing now because you mentioned a few things didn't you you're planning to be a licensed alcohol and drug counselor in just a few years aren't you yes absolutely and uh, what i'm doing now is i'm still teaching rehab at the jail theology courses at jail i'm obviously finishing my uh, career plan in college um, I'm working on the charges I have in Texas. Um, I'm working on the second book that's in the United Kingdom right now. Um, I wrote it, but I sent it over there for them to uh, finish it. <laughs> because books are easy, you know. Yeah. But that's the work I'm basically doing is, is I'm working with addicts because uh, there's a lot of people. There's 24 million addicts in America. There's 110 million people on the North American continent affected by the disease of addiction one way or another. And there's only about 6,000 board certified psychiatrists and doctors that can actually treat those uh, 24 million addicts if they all wanted to get sober, which, which if you go to the same school I went to, that's 40,000 patients a year for each 
doctor is impossible. So like me and people who have been there and done that can reach out to these addicts and we can pluck them from the depths of the grave and show them through our experience, strength and hope that, hey, you may seem like you're hopeless and you are, but there is one who has all power. And you don't have to believe in God, but we'll take you on the back end through the psychology part and the biology of addiction and get you to the spiritual part. Yeah. And addiction is such a big issue. Do you see it as a health issue rather than a criminal one? It is a uh, addiction is a public health catastrophe. Um, It is not a lack of determination, a moral issue or of willpower. It is a public health catastrophe. It is a disease. It's classified as a disease because of the disease causal model, how a doctor uh, tells you you have a disease. You have an organ, which is the deformity in the end, and that's the brain, the deformity in the organ, which is the uh, the lack of the neurochemistry, the dopaminogenic response. Yeah. And the effect is continued use despite harmful consequences. And it's a disease. And that's why it's a disease. A lot of people are ignorant to that fact. But what we have to do is realize in America alone, did you know um, that Americans consume 80% of the world's pain meds and antidepressants? That is absolutely preposterous. And they ask us what's wrong with our country. (laughs) The whole country is addicted to drugs. And that's why the FDA is constantly regulating it and restricting the number of access to pills. But it's an epidemic. And I mean, there's people walking out of this jail one girl walked out of here last year and she, I said, take care of yourself, girl. She looked at me. She said, you too, Odell. She had a little young baby the year before. She was dead in five hours from a fentanyl overdose. And that's just one story out of about 50 I've heard in the last four and a half years here. So you can magnify that on a grander scale of 50 states. And this is a serious problem. And what really concerns me is why haven't they addressed the issue of the we know the statistics are there. It cost Americans $740 billion a year to, to uh, drug and the disease of addiction does, from incarcerations to hospital bills, the whole nine yards. So why would we not address this issue? You know, drugs are very, very prevalent in society, and they're very dangerous. They're not like they used to be. You can't just go buy some Mexican dirt weed and smoke a joint. They're it's laced with fentanyl, and people are just dropping it over here. It's I don't know how it is in the, in the other parts of the world. World. But these drugs over here are worse than I have ever seen them in my whole career. And I've seen more death in the last 51 months from the disease of addiction than I've ever seen for the first 41 years of my whole entire life. And that's saying something because I've seen yeah. a lot of my friends die, you know, and, and heard of a lot of people dying, but actually experiencing it firsthand and knowing of these people. Um, It's had a tremendous impact on me. And when I get tired, I get worried from working 15 hours a day and going to college three hours a day and teaching the classes. I just think to myself that there's one person, just like when I wrote the book, the whole reason I wrote the book, there's one person. If the book helps one person, then it was a word that he stood in front of that computer for two years and going through the heart-wrenching tragedies that happen in the book process because there are some. Yeah. But if it helped one human being, if I could help just one person not make the same impact, uh, mistakes that I made today, make a positive impact on their life, it was all worth it. I would go back and do it all over again um, because I love men's souls, man, and uh, put that in me. Um, I wouldn't always like that, but, but I realized that people have eternal value. And the most important things in life that I chased down in my former life for all those years aren't things at all. It's the people. and 
And that was, uh, once I figured that out, I walked right out of my life of selfishness and self-centeredness into my God-given. You've certainly seen a lot in the first 41 years of your life, as you mentioned. Do you feel like now, at age 45, your life is truly beginning? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, it's, uh, it's, it is difficult in the facet of we don't know. Um, like I don't know what's going to happen to me in, in Texas with those yeah. charges, you know. Um, but I do know this. I can tell you that, that no matter what happens, I'm going to be blessed. Um, and it's hard for me to, uh, you know, to kind of deal with the part that, you know, I got people still involved in this with me, my family, my kids, and they're emotionally extorted every time they think about me in a prison cell. And if some Something happens to me while I'm in prison, how it's going to affect them negatively for the rest of their life. Um, you know, so, you know, in that, in that manner, you know, I often think about uh, those things. And what else is coming up for you? You've actually got another book coming up as well, which I think you briefly touched on earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got another book called Strip. It's in, it's in the uh, United Kingdom right now. Um, it will be out. It'll be released by May. Um, then uh, after that, by November, I'll have a uh, prison devotional um, that I'll write. And that'll take me 52 days to write that. Um, and uh, I think that'll help a lot of people, too, that are incarcerated. Because um, I can share my experiences while I was incarcerated because I know what they're going to go through, the thoughts they're going to have, self-defeating thoughts, you know, and it maybe lift them up and push them toward Jesus Christ. Well, where are we able to find your book, The Roads to Hancock County? You can find that book. Listen, if you can buy a book there, I'll buy your book for free if you can't <laughs> find it. It's in Net Valley in the United Kingdom. It's in Net Valley in the United States. It's on Amazon.com. It's the number one bestseller in two categories. It's uh, on BarnesandNoble.com, Google Books, Google Playbooks. It's in France, Japan, the Netherlands. You name it, it's there. Excellent. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on. Well, thank you so much, and God be with you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound The Toby Gribbon Show